Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. What do you look for in a healthy church? One of the things that you look for is how does this body of believers, that body of believers, a healthy body of believers, fulfill the mission that they believe God has called them to? And we've looked at our mission. Our mission is to multiply Christ-like disciples. And we've identified what a Christ-like disciple looks like. A Christ-like disciple is one who is passionate about their God, who is obedient to His Word, who is dependent upon God through prayer. A Christ-like disciple is connected to other believers and authentic and relevant in this world so that we can effectively multiply Christ-like disciples. As we've thought about Christ-like discipleship, we've understood that passion matters. And passion is more than an emotion. Passion is a commitment and a surrender to an almighty God for him to perfect his will in our lives. We've determined that Christ-like disciples recognize obedience is important. And it's important for us to follow through and live out our lives under his authority and according to his will and commands. Last week we looked into John chapter 14 and Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This morning we want to recognize that prayer matters. Prayer matters to Christ-like disciples. And as we recognize how frail we are, we can understand a little bit about how dependent we are upon God. I wonder, if God quit answering prayer, how long would it take us to find out? We pray, but after we pray, do do we identify God's work in our lives? Every Wednesday night as we gather together, and we have a great time as we gather together, we ask this question, what has God done in your life? Do we identify God working in our lives? Do we identify God's work in answers to our prayer? Do I identify that God is in control and that we can trust Him? Or that God is faithful, or just we just kind of go about our own business? Prayer matters. Now, as you read the Gospels, Jesus outlines prayer for us. He does it once at the end of his ministry in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. It's after his disciples have been with him for a while. They have identified prayer in Jesus' life. They've seen him get up a great while before day and go to a solitary place and and prayer. They've seen him talk to his heavenly father. And the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray like you do. Because you have a connection with God and we've seen God work in your life. And we want that same kind of connection. Jesus then identifies what we might call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. And he says, if you're going to pray, pray like this. The first time he identifies the disciples' prayer is found here in our text. 
It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus is helping those in his audience understand what it is to have a personal relationship with God. We will discover this morning that Jesus begins his instruction by saying, Our Father. And this is a little foreign to his listeners because as far as they were concerned, the father was all, always Abraham. In the Jewish culture, it was Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that little chorus we used to sing? But Jesus is now identifying a personal relationship with a sovereign, holy God as Father. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Prayer was not an unusual thing. It happened all the time. And yet Jesus is helping them understand how to connect with God and how to depend upon God and how to recognize God in their lives. How to see the God things. I want to read the text this morning and I want to begin with verse 5 in Matthew's Gospel chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, and and we're going to read down through verse 15. So you follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you have a King James Version or a New American Standard Version, it adds, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Prayer's important. As you look at Scripture, you identify the words prayer, prayed, and praying 599 times throughout Scripture. Intercession, petition, supplication are identified some 111 times in the Word of God. Ask, ask. 242 times. And if you look at the words praise, thanks, and confess, 496 times used in scriptures. That's a lot of scripture. 
That's a pretty obvious reference. As you look at prayers in the Bible, there are some 650 recorded prayers in Scripture. There are some 450 recorded answers to prayer in Scripture. And altogether, there are some 2,000 references to prayer in the Word of God. Prayer is important. And if we are going to be Christ-like disciples, we must recognize that our dependence upon God is reflected in our prayer ministry. James tells us you have not because you ask not, and when you do ask, you ask selfishly. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given unto you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Prayer is important. Now as we look at our text, we first of all discover that there are some things that prayer is not. Did you notice that in verse 5? And when you pray, don't be hypocritical. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't put on a mask. That's what the word hypocrite means. It means to try to be something that you're not. And these folks were trying to be religious. They were trying to be accepted before God without a relationship to God. Because prayer is not about being seen of men. We are not to pray so that other people think we're spiritual. We're not to pray so that others pat us on the back and give us acolytes. That's what hypocrites do. Prayer is not to be seen of men. And prayer is not about all the syllables we use. The syllables and the senseless words, vain repetition in the text. That's not prayer. And so it's not about having flowery words that somehow will get God's attention. That's not prayer. But what is prayer then? Prayer, first of all, is sincere and secret. Verse 6, when you do pray, go into your closet, King James, into your room, ESV, and shut the door. What do you keep in your closet? If you come to our home, we are happy to give you a tour of the home. God has blessed us, and we are very thankful for God's blessing. As many homes are, our home is always under construction, right? There's always something that's going on. But we will probably not open our closets and display all of the junk that we have. You see, the closets are where I keep my junk. Aren't you thankful that you can open your life to God even when there's a whole bunch of junk? No matter what's going on in your life, you can go into your closet where all the junk is. You can go to your room and you can there be sincere and transparent before a holy God. And with God alone, open up your life. And we might as well, because God is aware of everything in our lives anyway. 
we don't often spend a lot of time praying about unspoken requests. But I'm sure all of us have them. And you know where they come from? Our junk rooms. Our closets. Those intimate things that are so personal that we only want to share them with God. That's okay. And Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, because your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Isn't it neat to recognize God answering a prayer that perhaps we never even verbalized? Has that happened to you? When Connie and I were first in ministry, we were youth pastors. I was a youth pastor at a church in Illinois. There was no youth budget. Connie and I used to Sunday get home from church and we would literally go through our sofa cushions to see if we could find 49 cents. Because Hardee's had the big tenderloins for 49 cents. And in Illinois at that point, there wasn't tax on food, so you could get them for 49 cents. And we could split that and have a nice Sunday lunch. And Connie's favorite meal is anything she doesn't have to cook or clean up after. So as long as I throw away the wrappers, she's happy. I will long remember, and as I have said to you before, I am trying to eliminate from my vocabulary, I'll never forget because I just might. I will long remember a youth activity that I was responsible for that I had to, out of my own pocket, buy all of the stuff for the youth activity. Now, that was okay, because it was a Friday afternoon. I went out and bought it, wrote a check for it, and I knew Friday night, when we collected from the kids, I'd have enough to reimburse my bank account, and we'd be all set. Well, this happened to be a regional youth activity. So the money that was collected was given to the regional treasurer, who took it home and said, Tom, I'll send you a check. Somebody said, uh-oh, and that's right. Saturday, Connie and I are sitting in our living room, not wringing our hands, but just kind of talking through this whole process. We went out and got the mail. This was December. Connie's brother had sent us a check that was within pennies of the amount of money that we needed to reimburse our account and take care of that responsibility. Now, I need to confess to you, I'm not sure I even prayed about that. But my Heavenly Father knew all about it. And He knew about it before I even asked Him because if you've ever dealt with the Postal Service... 
there's no guarantees. Right? And this was not registered mail. It was not next day delivery. It was none of that. It was just put in a box. God knew. When you pray, you need to be sincere and you need to understand it's between you and God. Isn't that great? And when you pray, it needs to be simple and submissive. Why? Verse 8. Your father knows exactly what you have need of. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Prayer is not all about being seen of men or about syllables and senseless messages. Prayer is about being transparent before God and trusting Him to meet our needs. That's why we say dependent upon God through prayer. And we can submit to God because God's got it under control. Amen? Look for that in your life. God's got it under control. John Stott said this about prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to inform or persuade God. But to come before him sincerely, purposefully, conscientiously, and devotedly. That's what prayer's all about. And Jesus now helps us understand something about prayer. Because he says, when you pray, pray like this. And we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. If you want to read the Lord's Prayer, you go to John chapter 17 where he talks to his heavenly father. But this is how we are to pray. Now, many, if not all of us, have memorized this prayer, haven't we? Can we recite it together this morning? We, we don't do that often. There are some denominations that do it regularly. Not necessarily a bad thing. But can, can we do it this morning? And we will add the King James and American Standard Version, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever at the end, Okay. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Jesus said, verse 9, pray like this. Now, we're not going to take the time this morning because we could spend a week on each of these phrases. We're not going to take the time to really dig into all that is contained in this pattern for prayer. But I just want to remind you of a few things, all right? The prayer begins with, our Father. It's a personal relationship with God that allows us to come into his presence. A personal relationship with his son. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I love Romans chapter 8 that tells us that it's the spirit that gives to us the adoption of sons so that we might be called the children of God. Think about that. As many as received Christ, John 1, 
To them are given the privilege to become the children of God. Even to them that believe on it. You're God's kids if you know Christ as personal Savior. Amen? That's why you're identified as a Christian. One of Christ. And when we pray, it's not to some being out there that we have no relationship with. It's to our Father. I love talking to my dad. I do it every Saturday. That's so I can stay in the will. I'm afraid it's just going to be bills. Because I'm the oldest, you know. (laughs) And I'm thankful I call him dad. And Romans 8 tells us we can cry, Abba, Father. Because we have that distinct personal relationship with God. Our Father. But it's our Father who is in Heaven. What do you think God sees from heaven? I agree with you, Derek. He sees everything. You and I, down here on earth, get a very small snippet as we seek to know what's going on in our lives, right? We barely see things in 24-hour increments. We try to look ahead, we don't see very good because things change between here and there. But our Father who is in heaven sees it all. You and I stand on the sidelines and watch the parade go by one float at a time. God's in heaven and he sees it all. And he knows what we need from the beginning to the ending. And he knows how it all fits together because that's his design. Our Father who art in heaven and we need to recognize the sovereignty of our God when we pray. And God is a God who is in control of all things and can be trusted with all things in our lives. You see, Jesus is saying, you start with intimacy and then you move to majesty intimacy our father in heaven his majesty and we'll talk in a moment about hallowed be his name the wonder of our god my god is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do You heard it this morning, didn't you? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my, Matt, strength and shield, cornerstone, this solid ground. That is the wonder of God, and it's all because God's in heaven. Our Father Our Father, God in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. The character of God. The holiness, the reverence of God. The worship of God. The text is saying, let your name be holy because you are a God in heaven. 
Let your name be lifted up. The word name here refers to one's person and his character and his authority. All that God stands for should be treated as holy and honored because of his utter perfection and goodness. If you pray the acts of prayer, ACTS, you start with adoration. And then confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I'm afraid we live in a culture that does not lift high the name of God. God, in many cases, is used to slander others. And yet, God is holy. Harold Wilmington, in his Guide to the Bible, talks about how those who copied and cared for the Holy Scriptures honored the name of God. When they came to the word Jehovah, they would reverently wipe their pen each time before writing that name. And they would wash their whole body before they penned Jehovah. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You looking forward to the kingdom being set up? Now it won't be set up for at least seven more years. We understand that. But Jesus said, pray like this, pray that your kingdom come. That was always the question that the disciples had, wasn't it? When are you going to give us the kingdom? Even as he was getting ready to, to, to go, they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now to us? Jesus talked about the kingdom, didn't he? He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom's important stuff. It's when God will rule and he will do that. And as we pray, we pray, your kingdom come, Lord, because that's when you're going to be in total control. That's when your position of authority is going to be lifted up and seen by all. That's when mankind will recognize who you are. John the Revelator writes in Revelation chapter 12, Now salvation and strength is upon us, for his kingdom have come. And I'm thankful for Revelation chapter 21 when he makes all things new. That'll be his kingdom. His kingdom come. And then it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, now think about that, will you please? How much of God's perfect plan is worked out in heaven? It's not a trick question. Could we say all of it? In heaven, God works it out. 
How is God's perfect plan worked out here on earth? Through us. Through his children. And as we submit to who God is, we then see his plan worked out for his kingdom. Did he not tell us earlier in this sermon, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world? Be salt that works and light that shines. Salt that is seasoned and life that makes a difference. Pray like this. Your kingdom come. It's done on in heaven. Your kingdom come through us on earth. And we will submit to that in our lives. It's his agenda. It's his purpose. It's his power. Give us this day our daily bread. I wonder if anyone of us have ever prayed for our daily bread. I've always had plenty in the refrigerator. Now, when Connie and I were searching the cushion couches for 49 cents, it wasn't that we didn't have anything to eat in the house. It was that we wanted to go to Hardee's for a tenderloin. The practical petition is to trust God with everything in our lives, even our daily bread. You remember, children of Israel? (laughs) They were mumbling and grumbling people. And they were mumbling and grumbling under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. God sent Moses to to deliver them from Pharaoh, and you have all of the plagues, and all that was going on, and God delivers them, and they cross the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's armies are drowned, and they get there, and they say, okay, Lord, we don't have anything to drink. God gave them water. They said, Lord, we don't have anything to eat. God gave them what we know as manna. They didn't know what it was, and if you translate man, it's, what is it? I got to tell you, Connie has never put anything in front of me that I translated, what is it? Always knew what it was or what it was supposed to be. And then he sent him quail. I mean, they had to depend upon God, right? They, they didn't have convenience store or a Miger's or a family fair or a Walmart or wherever else you may go. Jesus said when you pray, trust God with your immediate needs, your personal needs. Trust God and he'll meet those needs. Forgive us our debts Some translations, and some of us tried to say it this morning, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, our trespasses. You know, it's so important that we keep close accounts with God. 
There's a time for confession. And there's a time for compassion on those. Confession, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? Compassion, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And lead us not into temptation. <laughs> James tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. And there are so many temptations in our lives. You remember the temptation that the disciples faced while they were in the garden? Jesus went off to, to pray to his heavenly father, and he came back and he found them what? Sleeping, yeah. Like some of us feel this morning, right? That's why next week is so important when you get an extra hour. But do you remember what Jesus said to him? Couldn't you have just prayed with me an hour? And he said, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. You know, it's, it's so easy to fall asleep. So easy to fall asleep in our testimony. It's so easy to fall asleep in our ministry. So easy to fall asleep in our culture. Lead us not a temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen? Amen. Now, that's not in some manuscripts. That's why it's not in your English Standard Version. But I believe it fits. Because we start with our Father who is in heaven, and we end with yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, and all God's people said. And that's so important for us to bookend our prayers. As we trust God. I should have mentioned verses 14 and 15 as we were talking about forgive our debts and not being led into temptation. You know how important that is? Jesus said if you, if you don't forgive those around you, your Heavenly Father won't forgive you either. Pretty important stuff. Now, you understand this is a sermon that Jesus is giving. He talks about fasting, the next few verses. He talks about where your treasure is, there's your heart also. He talks about how the, the lamp of the body is the eye and the things that you see and look at and stare upon are important in your life. And he says, no man can serve two masters. So he's going down through all of this. Look with me at verse 25. What is the first word? I'm sorry? Therefore. And you remember, every time there's a therefore, you want to see what it's there for, right? Look down at verse 31. What is the first word? Therefore, all right? Look at verse 34. What's the first word? 
therefore. Now we are talking about being dependent upon God in prayer. Why is that so important? Let me just read the text for you. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Therefore, Pray and depend upon God for everything in your life. Amen? Pray and depend upon God for everything in your life. And when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who are indebted to us or who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And that ever will never end. Let it be so. Amen. A healthy church is dependent upon God through prayer. St. Augustine put it this way. Pray as though everything depended upon God. Work as good stewards. As though everything depends upon you. Therefore, we can trust God.